Welcome to another episode of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. And this week I have, god dang, some great news for you guys. First of all, I have the official translator and historian with us all the way in Perth, Australia. From Perth, in Perth. I've got Kirsty on the line. Kirsty, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Glad you're back from your uh, week off. And, you know, you, I saw on Twitter where you had said if you came back. So I'm glad that you decided yeah, to well, come back. Yeah, well, I was pretty annoyed that you did Megadeth without me on my week off. <laughs> you knew that I wanted to do it. Because, like, what did I get? When it was Matt's week off, I got tattooed millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're obviously a glutton for punishment in some ways, I guess. <laughs> Besides, uh, I've made a commitment, so here I am. <laughs> there you are. Thank you, thank you. And uh, and also, speaking of Matthew, the flip flop thong horseshit guru is not with us this week. I went ahead and I got the superior of the Australians that I've had on my podcast. I got the Outback guy himself over in middle of nowhere, Australia. I have Mark back on the line from last week. Mark, how are you, sir? G'day, Uncle Steve, and g'day, Kirsty. <laughs> Hello. Good day, mate. <laughs> yeah, mate. That's, That's the best I got. That's the best I got. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, choice, mate. Not that, not that where you're from is the middle of nowhere. I, uh, I've seen some uh, pictures of near where you're at, and it looks pretty neat. So, but well, if you've seen the pictures that I've taken, it's pretty much is the middle of nowhere, mate. So you're, you're pretty much spot on there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, um, we're going to start off the way we normally start off here by uh, going through what we've listened to in the past week. So, Kirsty, will you tell us what you've listened to in the past week? Oh, you're going to love this. Oh boy. So. You know how you don't like Spotify and you don't like playlists? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. Justin Castaldo, friend of the podcast, um, has a Spotify playlist um, entitled Party. And uh, we've been listening to each other's party playlist this week. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. It's got like a bit of Depeche Mode and okay. Darude by Sandstorm. Said that the wrong way around. Um, but apart from that, I've listened to Radiohead from Oxford, that's where I'm from. Um, I listen to the Benz, and I listen to My Iron Lung, which is a EP of songs that didn't make it onto the Benz, um, plus some live versions of My Iron Lung and Creep. Okay. Um, I was listening to Accident of Birth, but, and I picked my daughter up from a party, and she got into the car and went, oh, boring, I want Master of Puppets. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that went back on again, and I'm starting to get a bit tired of it. To be honest, um, yeah. And then somebody on um, Twitter they shared a song by Dream Theater, which is a cover of Gangland from The Number of the Beast. Mm. And it turns out they've done a whole album covering The Number of the Beast, which I listened to. And then I found out they've also done Master of Puppets. Interesting. So even though I said I was tired of it, I ended up listening to that. And then Gary on the Asylum. Tales from the Deborah Diaries podcast said that Primus had done a, a cover of the thing that should not be, and I ended up listening to that as well. So still pretty fully onto Master of Puppets. Sounds um, like it. Had a bit of a change of direction. I watched a documentary about Nick Drake called A Skin Too Few, 
and then I listened to his album Way to Blue, an introduction to Nick Drake, which is a compilation of songs. Was he, was he in a band? Drake. Was he in a he band? Was, um, no, he was on his own. He's like a singer, songwriter and guitarist. Okay. But there was other musicians on it. There's usually like some cello or something. Um, it's a bit before our time. He, he actually died in 1974, but I was really into him in the 90s. So I've got the CD. And Nick Drake that, died in 1974? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I, I'm surprised I've heard of him then. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he um, wasn't that popular when he was alive, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Got a bit bigger afterwards. Okay. Um, listened to Rest in Peace quite a bit this week after yeah. hearing your podcast. Um, listened to <laughs> Holy Wars quite a few times. Oh yeah. And I've also listened to So Far So Good So What. Okay. And that's it for the week. Okay. Well, uh, Mark, what did you listen to in the past week, sir? Well, I listened to a fair bit of Megadeth as well, surprisingly enough. And even though we talked about Rust in Peace, I still went back and listened to it a few times because it was just couldn't get it out of my mind. Sure. And absolutely enjoyed it. Um, then went to Endgame from 2009, which is one of their, you know, obviously a later album, but really, really good. Do, does that um, ha- does that have this, the This Is How the Story Ends? That it, ha- it starts with Dialectic Chaos, which is an instrumental, just like so far, so good, so what? Um, this is how the story ends. Yeah, I think it does. Because there's, yeah, there's a really, um, really cool guitar, like a, a musical bit in that song that I've, I have heard, and God, it's go, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry. Oh, it's got some, got some great tracks on it. I think Head Crusher was the sort of the first single they released from it. Okay. But, um, but uh, and um, 44 Minutes, and yeah, yeah. it's definitely, you've got to have a listen to it. It's a fantastic album, really good production too. Cool. Um, I listened to The System Has Failed from 2004. That was the one that that um, Chris Poland came back for. Um, Wait, Chris Poland pays on that album? Yeah. Oh, I did not yeah, know that. Absolutely. Did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he came back for that one album after doing the solos for the demos in Rust in Peace and then falling out again. Then mm. he came back for that, but didn't end up touring with them because he had a, another falling out. The liar um, himself returned, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that in a bit. Let's go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then I went to something a bit heavier. I went to some obituary, some good Florida death metal from uh, Slowly We Rock, their first album. Um, and then Opeth, Blackwater Park from 2001. Mm-hmm. And I listened to a New Zealand band called Alien Weaponry that are doing mm. really well for themselves. Yeah. They've got a, a oh, their second album came out last year, which. So I'm trying to. I really didn't like it very much when I first heard it. So I'm just trying to give it a few more goes, but um still sort of struggling with it a bit, but always support them. So, I like some of their so, stuff. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty cool. Yeah. They've just supported Gajira all over. I think, I think it was in the <clears> States. So they're, they're doing very well. For sure. I saw a really good documentary uh, about them. I think it was on Netflix. Really? Yeah. It's a short one. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did see that. Yeah. Um, but also, I listened to the three new songs that have dropped on um, the the the, um, the sick, the dying, and the dead. You know, the new Megadeth album. So the first song, Night Stalkers, uh, with Ice T. You know, which is he sort of copies a bit of of the talking from the System Has Failed. You know, that the first song of that. Um, but and the second song, Soldier On. But the third song, We'll Be Back. Really, really good. Have you guys heard heard those three songs? 
Yeah, uh, we'll be back was my favourite of the three as well. Absolutely. And if you, did you think that about two, two and a half or two minutes, 55 seconds in, they've got an absolute Metallica riff? You know, it sounds like something off Disposable Heroes, off Master of Puppets. So it could really be a Dave Mustaine riff. Absolutely. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, for sure. But um, but yeah, that, that's that's all I listened to this week. Okay, I, and I have not heard those songs. I've heard a small, small bit of one of the songs. I, I just wanted to. I wanted to wait again. I I try to do the waiting game of not yeah. not hearing something too much before it comes out if I can help it. And I'm pretty excited about the new Megadeth album, to be honest with you, because I guess just kind of getting back into them in these last few weeks, and it's like we're kind of leading into them coming out with this album at this point. So because we're, well, we'll get into that. Um, uh, for me, I've listened to f- four albums in the past week. Uh, I listened to Flick of the Switch by ACDC. Um, I had went and seen a tribute act uh, that is from this area. I saw them about a month ago as well. And I had bought tickets to see this show before I saw them a month ago. I just, that was a last minute thing, but they played just 10 minutes away from where I work on uh Friday night. So I, I talked to a manager and was able to worm out of work about an hour and a half early. Uh, I grabbed a burger and I went and saw them and, and they played, they played a really good show. I was, I was, I was sending my friend. I have one friend that I can actually text things to and send videos of sh- when I'm at shows and stuff like that. And I, so I was, I was sending her <laughs> stuff through the whole show wasn't i wasn't i kirsty sending you stuff yes you were i was like walking my dog in the park going oh there's another one from steve i just (laughs) he he really this the lead singer of this band you could tell he really like has studied the way they act on stage there was one point where they played they played a newer song they played stiff upper lip and he goes yeah he goes he goes before Brian used to dance like this and he kind of starts doing it on stage. He goes by this era, he had changed it to this and he starts doing it. And I'm just like, if you've watched an ACDC live video with Brian Johnson, you're like, Holy crap. That's what he does. So, you know, like I loved, I got to where the first time I saw them, I was just watching the Angus guy like, Oh God, look at this guy. Look at this. And, and I just, I've literally completely started focusing on the singer because I'm like, he, just has the mannerisms down from Brian and from Bon Scott. And so I was trying to, anytime he'd start moving around, I'd try to video it and send it to Kirsty. I was like, let me see if I can do a short video. I can confirm. He is amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, they, but they played and they, they played about six or seven songs that they did not play the last time I saw them, which was really cool. They played, uh, what they played. They played stiff upper lip, which I'm not really as familiar with at this point. They played jailbreak. They played, um, uh, let me put my love into you from uh, Back in Black. They played. Um, what else did they play, Kirsty? I sent you the list. I've got it right here. You want me to pull it up. I've got. <laughs> they played. Uh, Girls got rhythm. They played. Girls got rhythm from Highway to Hell. They played Down Payment Blues, which was awesome. Oh man. Um, they played the Jack, which I was really excited to hear, and I tried to call my daughter twice during the song just so she could hear the crowd screaming. She's got the Jack over and over. And then they played one call. And over. And over, yeah. And then they played probably the song that I was most bored by (laughs) 
they played big balls. I've just never really cared for that one. So uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's a funny song, but I like, I'm just like, that's the one where I just kind of stood there. It, it was for me, it was, I was made for loving you of the kiss concert. It was just like, okay, mm. just play it and get it over with. I'd, I would much rather hear, but they still played flick of the switch. And, and uh, I was really happy to hear that again. So, <clears throat> okay. Sorry about that detour. Um, I also listened to rust in peace this week. Uh, I listened to it once and I was just, um, I wore it out last week, but, uh, this week I, I got a good one listen in and it was just it's a phenomenal album and just a phenomenal. And I skipped mm. Dawn. I skipped Dawn patrol. So, <laughs> so which made it, it was a perfect album this week. It was perfect. Uh, I also listened to their eight, uh, 88 release so far. So good. So what? And lastly, I listened to the incredible debut album by one of my favorite bands of all time. Alice in Chains. I listened to Facelift. Oh, God. And last night, I was sitting in there with uh, my daughter, and I was playing her. Um, I recorded a little bit for a podcast, and I was I mentioned something about a certain point in the song, and I played it. I was playing it for Sarah last night, and, and she just kept going, oh, well, I could sing like that. And I'm like, no, you can't sing like Lane Staley. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, he is like one of the best ever. I'm sorry you're not. It was just, uh, but yes, such a, God dang, such an incredible album. It's been out for, I think today's the anniversary, actually. It's 32 years ago, 32 years ago today. So, um, but yeah, if you've never heard that and, or if you don't think you don't like grunge quotations, <laughs> listen to Facelift by Allison Chains. It's a phenomenal album. Um, Dirt is a phenomenal album. I think, uh, what do you guys think about, do you like the uh, third one as much? The uh, self-titled one? I don't really know it that well. Only, only the songs that they played off Unplugged and, okay. and um, okay. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, not quite as much as the first two, but yeah, I still do. I, I've always, I think personally, out of all, of, they've done six albums. They've done three with William Duvall and they've done three. They did those three, not counting the um, like Jar of Flies and Sap, but. I think that that third album with Lane and I mean, this is not a controversial statement anyway, because it's still a good album, but I think it's the weakest of all six albums. Cause I think that the three with William Duvall are all fantastic. Like mm. each one is better than the Like uh, black gives way to blue was really good. And then the devil put dinosaurs was even here was better. And then, um, yeah, that's crap. What's the last one called? Um, Rainier Fog. Rainier Fog is even better. God, it's just, oh man, love Allison Chains. So, so anyway, that's what I listened to this week. Um, and uh, podcasts, I listened to. Let's see, uh, Monty's Rockcast episode two fifty one. I listened to uh, two Decibel Geek podcasts, uh, New Noise Weekly episodes four eighty nine and four ninety one. They just kind of go through the news of the week or whatever. Just different stories about random bands that we like. And, and, and it's just interesting stuff to hear. Um, I listened to two episodes of talk is Jericho. Uh, one was called mm. the, F the fall of Vince McMahon. And I listened to that because it just played immediately after the one I listened to called this is Guar. <laughs> so um, yeah. that was an interesting episode. I, I don't really like Gore. I don't like their music, but, but they're interesting. You know, and they're a rock band, so it was interesting to listen to that. Um, I listened to one that I've since completely deleted off of my phone, 
called um, <clears throat> History Uncovered. I deleted them after this episode. It was called The Tragic Death of Marilyn Monroe. And it was interesting, but it's, I've realized those just aren't for me. Um, and then the last uh, podcast I listened to was called uh, Dean Del Rey's Let There Be Talk, uh, episode 660. And he did a really, really good interview with Gene Simmons of Kiss. He said when he started his podcast like 10 or 11 years ago, that was his dream guest. He said, I made a list of the dream guests I wanted, and Gene was my number one. And and, and so that's so in the past couple of years, he's interviewed Gene. He's interviewed a lot of people, but he also, inter- you know, for me, uh, that was really awesome. He he interviewed Angus Young, Brian Johnson, Cliff Williams, and Phil Rudd, all from that played on Back in Black. All you know, three of them played on Highway to Hell. So, uh, Poweridge. I mean, my God, it's amazing. But uh, it was a really good interview with Gene. Like Gene, you could tell Gene kind of just was not really. He wasn't normal Gene, where he everything was cliche. It was just a really he talked about a lot of stuff that was just really cool. So. <clears throat> But that's the podcast I listened to this week. Um, Kirsty, what podcasts did you listen to this week? Well, I listened to your episode on Rest in Peace. Okay. What did you think about um, that third guy we had? I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously a, a big Megadeth fan, which yes, is really cool. Indeed. So you can do all the talking today, Mark. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I made a few technical errors last week, so, you know. I'll be a bit more subdued, a bit more careful. (laughs) (laughs) I've been been listening to the Vintage Rock pod a lot lately because they're really nice and short. There's an episode out every day. Yeah. And sometimes they're just four minutes and then there's sometimes a longer episode with an interview. And I find I can listen to a few in one day. So I can be driving along and just let them keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This week we've had the anniversary of Slippery When Wet. So we had a... Bon Jovi episode, and it was it would have been Phil Lynott from Thin Lizzy's birthday, so there was an episode on that. Mm-hmm. And then today I was listening to an episode about Alice in Chains facelift, and I was quite excited because one of my favourite bands, one of my favourite albums, and oh my god, Uncle Steve popped up on it, <laughs> much to my shock because um, I hadn't like actually read the blurb before I heard it. Um, it just pops up everywhere at the moment. You're like, um, I can't get away from this guy. <laughs> I, I really was. <laughs> Are you stalking Uncle Steve? Am I? It feels like I am. She's, that's why she's the historian, Mark. That's why she's the historian. Following me around. <laughs> um, oh. I listened to Metal Chat with Melissa um, with her friend Ralph Fergal from Feckin' Metal and Eric from Maiden A to Z. And mm-hmm. um, they were discussing the rumors about a Somewhere in Time tour for Iron Maiden. Um, I I sent you the link about Captain Harris, didn't I, on YouTube? I saw that. Yeah, I did see that. They, were, they did two um, YouTube videos talking about all the clues they'd found, thinking that there might be a somewhere in time tour. And um, so the are, are you convinced? The battle chat was discussing. Uh, do you know what? No, um, because they've already done it. Because yeah. they did the somewhere back in time. Yeah. I. Mm. I I don't think they would come to Australia and do a Senjutsu tour because I don't think that would sell that well. They, they don't sell out here anyway. You can still get cheap tickets on the day. Oh, wow. So they'd be better off doing some hits. Yeah. So I don't care really. <clears throat> I mean, whatever they do, I will be happy. But sure. yeah, if they did, If they did no prayer fear of the dark, I'd be slightly disappointed, of course, but I'd still be there. 
Mm, yeah. Um, and that's all my podcasts for the week. Um, the funny thing is, uh, that guy reached out to me <laughs> about the slippery when wet thing too. He was like, Hey oh, man, really? do you know anything about Bon Jovi? And I just said, dude, I honestly don't know anything about, I've never really listened to Bon Jovi. Cause he was like, he, he just, he just, you know, cause I've, I've just met him and, and I told him, I said, Hey, if you ever need any help or whatever, just reach out and I'll, if I can. And I started thinking about it afterwards. And I thought at that point, Bon Jovi was still considered to be kind of a metal band. I think like in the magazines, I didn't know really yeah. much about them, but they had had a couple of albums and they, I didn't know much about them, but I knew that they weren't like uh, what they became on that album, you know, with what uh, 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 living on a prayer and you give love a bad name. And they kind of became well, like the pretty I bo- that album and I loved it at the time, but, but so they, they were like the pretty boys of rock yeah. at that point. And so that's what, yeah. to me, that was when their image kind of changed. And I thought it would have been kind of an interesting thing to talk about afterwards. After I told him, no, I thought that might've been interesting because that's, I guess where they, but I didn't know. I just, I thought, man, I don't know enough about it. And it was kind of last minute. I was like, I don't know what I would look up and, and I don't know what I would even say. So, but anyway, uh, Mark, what podcasts did you listen to? Well, not very much this week. So I was a bit short on time. So I actually only listened to two. They were both the same, same show talking rock with meltdown, which I'd never, never listened to before, but there was one on Dave Mustaine. Um, talking about the new album and all sort of so it was only just come out mm-hmm. and then um, the one before that was with Wolf Hoffman who was only original member left in that German band except okay. uh, still going and still, still doing huge things um, so they're just basically 35 minute interviews with each of them and literally that is all I've heard in podcasts <laughs> you were like how come all the podcasts I listen to can't be 35 minutes long <laughs> 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 Did any of them have Uncle Steve on them? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Well, it's all about the ending. <laughs> that was a bit of luck. <laughs> I was reminded, though, uh, I, we, we <laughs> somehow we talked about Accept in the last month or so, and I was reminded that I did see them live once. Uh, they must have opened for Wasp on the Headless Children Tour because it was uh, Metal. Ch- I remember seeing Metal Church, and I remember seeing Wasp, but I have no recollection, really, of seeing Accept, but... They were listed on the tour posters, so I must have seen Accept at that point too. So, do you sometimes turn up after the opening band? Do what? No, do you no, no. Turn up after the opening band? No, back then. I no, mean, you think about. Definitely have. Seen I'm pretty sure Metal Church probably would have been the opener on that on that tour because that would have been '89. So that would have been on the Blessing in Disguise album. So I'm quite sure that Accept was probably better known. And, or I guess, but I know I would have, I, I wouldn't have wanted to get there late. Cause just in case metal church came on first. Cause I, you know, that was peak of interest uh, in metal church for me back then. So with my cow and that album is just fantastic. So, but uh, yeah, I just, I saw the poster. I thought I'd, um, so off to correct one quick thing here. Uh, last week, uh, Mark made a comment and someone called it out and, I just it just it just slipped by me because I I guess I misheard how he said it, but we've already discussed it, and Mark is aware that Randy Rhodes did not play on ment, uh, Metal Health or Condition Critical. So uh, mm. I was I'm aware of that. I just I know he played on Quiet Riot One and Two that were released in Japan, and 
Uh, I think he was talking, you know, I think he just got a little excited. Is that how you said it? <laughs> yeah, it'd be something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so the next segment. I'll stand corrected. Yeah, eh, we all do. I trust me. I get it all the time. So, you only got one on that episode. I probably got. There's no telling how many I got. So, um, <laughs> but next we're going to get into the um, uh, audience participation segment here, where we're going to go through the retweets and the tweet quotes of the last week's episode. And I got a couple of Facebook shares too. So, <clears throat> first up on the retweets, we have uh, the official detention teacher of Uncle Steve's Iron Main Zone, Gen Marutani in Chiba, Japan. When it's watching for lies, you can't escape my Uh, we have uh, Lord Andrew of Sussex, the weekend warrior himself, in or near Melbourne, Australia. Uh, the controversial Future Squash 767 on Twitter. The Scouser, David Laird in Liverpool, England. Uh, Jeff Erstott in Sector 2814. Danny C. in Rochester, New York. His Royal Dudeness, Dave in the USA, Ron Kramer in the United States, and also in the United States, in Illinois in particular, is Jesse, the delivery guy, who I'm thinking about just dubbing the official guitar player of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, mm -hmm. after this week especially. Um, on the Queet quotes, first up was the Honorable Counselor, Sir Richard Holmes of the Ulster Unionist Party. In Garva, Northern Ireland, the only official politician of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. So if you need to vote for somebody, vote for the counselor. Um, he said, referring to uh, Rust in Peace, haven't listened to this in years. Great episode. And we'll see who's buying peace this week. And so, Kirsty, I think we found out who's buying peace this weekend, right? <laughs> so uh, next up. Let's see here. Jesse, the delivery guy, the official guitar player of Uncle Steve's Iron Man Zone. And he simply said, holy wars, it's a tough act to follow. And they proceeded to play the first couple of minutes of holy wars. And at the end of it, you could see him just start shaking his hand <laughs> from all the, you know, I guess fast riffing for those two minutes. <coughs> and, um, but he did a good job. He did a good job. And um, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And um, that was re his, his, uh, his tweet quote was retweeted by Danny C uh, deplorable metalhead in Virginia, USA, uh, Dr. Phobic in the sanitarium and wise guy at the hashtag UMF bunker. So, um, they were ha they were they were re they were uh, retweeting Jesse. They weren't retweeting me, but I still appreciate it because in a roundabout way they still did. Um, next up, a uh, Philly Binion in Lincoln, England. He said, "This will be good." Hashtag Megadeth, Lincoln, England. Kirsty, ever been there? No. No. Okay. So it was very confident of him to say this will be good. 
without listening to it first. Hey, <laughs> I thought it was good. Did you, Mark, it was thought, good. Mark thought it was good. Even even the angry person that I'm about to read their tweet quote. Well, I'll just read it. It's better <laughs> better read. Kirsty, the official translator and historian of the podcast in Perth, said, shocked, amazed, and violently angry that Steve did a Megadeth episode without me. Having said that, I really enjoyed listening to it. <laughs> so, so it was like all the anger and shock and was uh, subdued. Very short-lived. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Vela in Kansas City, Missouri, he said, or he just gave it two metal horns up. Uh, and his royal dudeness, Dave in the USA, he said, hashtag Megadeth. Uncle Steve, Matt, and Mark go track by track through what I feel is their best album. Every song is 9 out of 10. Although not my favorite thrash band, Mustaine is the best thrash musician. He sings, plays insanely fast riffs, and technically great lead solos. And uh, I can't dispute any of that. Um, Is he the best thrash musician? Uh, he's definitely one of them. Guitar players, as guitar players go, I think uh, I would rank him higher than Hetfield a little bit because not only does he play the um, rhythm stuff great, he plays leads as well, and and James isn't as much of a lead player. Um, Kirk Hammett, I'd say he's better than Kirk. Uh, Scott Ian, um, any of the Anthrax guitar players. Scott's a great rhythm player. Um, who mm. else? Who else? Uh, Dave, uh, not Dave Lombardo. Um, Carrie, Carrie King Carrie and King. Uh, Jeff Henneman and uh, uh, what was the other guy uh, that from? Yeah, from Exodus. Yeah. Um, as far as I, I really can't comment on their playing, but I, I think Dave was better. I just I like what Dave did better. Um, I just like Dave, man. He's awesome. So, <clears throat> and we had two Facebook shares. One was uh a girl named Julie in Kansas city. That's the same city Matt's from. That's interesting. And, um, Jason Jeffries in Phoenix, Arizona. So I want to thank everybody that shared retweeted, tweet quoted, um, whatever. And there's also another share or two that I, for some reason, am not able to see who shared and that's kind of annoying, but it is what it is. So, um, <clears throat> last week, uh, I thought might have lost one of my co-hosts. Uh, you know, we we she's been wanting to do Megadeth uh, so far, so good, so what for a while. She's made a few snide comments on past episodes about not doing it. Whenever I originally told her, yes, we were going to do it, and I explained it last week, but I'll I'll, I'll say it again. Um, I wanted to do so far, so good, so what a while back, and it's it's been months ago. And I told Kirsty, let's do so far, so good, so what? And I think it might have been a week that Matt was gone. And <clears throat> for whatever reason, I wanted to do it, and I just didn't do it. And then I, I don't know if it was a month later or a couple months later, this announcement came out that there was a Megadeth podcast coming. And so then I just kind of thought, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to step on their toes. I don't want to whatever, like, like you know, Megadeth belongs to them or whatever. And I'm like, eh, I don't really want to do that. And and then one day I just said, you know what? I like Megadeth a lot. If we want to do it, let's just do it. And so, so last week we did Rust in Peace without Kirsty. 
<clears throat> and I can't help it if she's uh, she was scheduled off last week. You know, it was her week off. So I immediately had told Kirsty, hey, you want to do so far so good the next week? Uh, and, she, you know, I knew that maybe I could sway her. And I think she's back this week, right? <laughs> well, here I am. Here she is. Okay. So, um, uh, so far, so good. So what was released in January 19th, it was January 19th of 1988. Um, it was a new lineup for the band, uh, Gar Samuelson, the drummer from the last album, P cells was replaced by his drum check, drum tech, Chuck Baylor. And oddly enough, after this album and tour, Chuck Baylor was replaced by his drum tech, Nick Menza. But um, Chris Poland uh, was fired from the band for supposedly selling band equipment to buy drugs during the P-Cells tour or whatever. And they replaced him with a guy named Jay Reynolds. I, I totally forgot about this. I was reading this the other day. He's He was from a band called Malice. <clears throat> and Jay Reynolds uh, had a guitar teacher deciphering all of Chris Pol or Chris Poland's guitar solos from the first two albums so he could learn them quickly. And supposedly he also had, <clears throat> excuse me, he had this guy um, named Jeff Young, the guitar teacher, recording solos for him for So Far, So Good, So What. So at, at a certain point, I think Dave just said, well, why am I going to go ahead and have this guy play all the solos on the album and learn all the solos? Just forget it. You can go ahead and go away and I'll get Jeff Young to play on the album, which is what they did. So this album had uh, Dave Mustaine on guitar and vocals, of course. Uh, David Ellison on bass and background vocals. Chuck Baylor on drums and Jeff Young on guitar. Have either of you followed up with either of these guys to see what they've done since then? Uh, well, no. No, I, I did hear in the interview with um, Mustaine, he was talking about Chuck Baylor and and talking about the fact that he hadn't been in contact with him for a long time, but apparently he's not well or there's something not quite right there. And hmm. he was, Dave was throwing it out there saying that if he wants to get in contact with him, he's happy to hear from him because he's got no, nothing against him. Sure. Um, and he wishes them all the best, but he just basically disappeared. Um, yeah. And that's what, <clears throat> yeah, he actually talked about that in that interview. Yeah, I, um, just reading up on him, I mean, there's really nothing he's done since then. He he played with a couple of bands, but it was nothing anywhere on the level of this. Um, and now Chris Poland, I mean, I'm um, sorry, Jeff Young, after this, has still been a guitar teacher, and he's apparently way into different kind of music than what he played with Megadeth. But he's, he's, he's mm. done his own solo albums and um, things like that, played with other bands. No, nothing again on this level, but he's definitely, he definitely did not just disappear like a, it seemed like Chuck Baylor did. So, <clears throat> yeah. And I'm sorry if I have to clear my throat a lot because that's the lingering effect that I have from being sick uh, a couple weeks ago is just, ugh, I can't get rid of it. And I want to clear my throat a million times, but um, <clears throat> again, <clears throat> sorry. Did, did you know who their choice was before Baylor? Before Chuck? No, who was it? Yeah, well, they wanted Dave Lombardo um, um, to play. Really? But he, yeah, but because of all of their drug habits and where they were with 
you know, with all their addictions, he didn't want a part of it. Wow. So they moved on from that. Yeah. That would have been, man, I can't even imagine that. Cause I thought Chuck does a good job on the drums on this album. There's a lot of good double bass stuff going on here. And, uh, yeah. golly, I can't even imagine if it was Dave Lombardo. So, <clears throat> so, uh, what we'll do is we'll get into the songs again, like we did last week, but Kirsty, um, you weren't here last week, uh, when we talked about Megadeth. So, um, what was your introduction to Megadeth like, uh, back, uh, in the eighties? So, yeah. So uh, in the eighties, I thought they were going to be too heavy for me and I didn't listen to them for quite a long time. And then, then I must've heard the song, um, Peace House on a compilation and I thought, oh no, actually this is okay. So started listening to them. But I kind of don't often play their albums. I more often will hear them on a playlist. That's the favorite songs of mine. You've you've uh I'm I'm not the biggest fan of playlists uh, as far yeah. as making them for myself, but playlists have done you well in your life, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Megadeth and uh, Iron it's Maiden. A- <laughs> well, it 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 does help you, help you to get into things. Sure, sure, <clears throat> and it's like listening to the radio in a way, you know, because yeah. if someone makes it, and I'm not, to, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of great stuff on the radio, you know, in my life, so it's not like I just when it comes for me listening to music as a, as a fifty year old, I definitely just like to find that, listen to albums if I can help it, and because I usually know what I want to listen to, I guess at that point. So, but I try. But sometimes I, you skip. I will skip something. <laughs> sure. I'll skip something occasionally yeah. or it's kind and, of the same thing. And, uh, occasionally I'll look around on YouTube and just play different things just mm-hmm. to see, you know, see how something sounds or whatever. So, I mean, I get that, so. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't make playlists of like, I wouldn't make a Megadeth playlist. I wouldn't go, well, let me take three songs from P cells and three songs. Uh, I, I saw one yesterday. I went to a record store yesterday and there was a, um, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was a compilation album of Megadeth on CD that I found. And it was, it said it was, I don't know if it was three and a half hours long of music. And there was like three or four songs from the first album, three or four songs in the second album, a couple from uh, so far so good. And then there was almost the entire rust and peace album. And I was just like, man, I wouldn't want to hear all of this stuff. I wouldn't want to just hear three songs. So, but <clears throat> But that could be a good entry point for a fan as well. You know, I realize a fan could do that too. So I've got um, shelves of CDs that are compilation albums. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. So, <laughs> so um, we'll get into the album here. And uh, Mark, you said last week this was your introduction to Megadeth, right? This album? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of was for me as well. I, I had heard Peace Cells and I was... I was ready for this album by the time it got here. I'll say it that I guess I could say it that way. So, but this was the first yeah. album that came out and I was already ready as a Megadeth fan. So, um, what was the first tour that you ever saw Megadeth on, uh, Mark? Um, I've only seen them once, believe it or not. And that was actually where, um, Kirsty is talking from right now over in Perth. Um, ah. and yeah, and that was, that was, I mean, they cancelled earlier on uh, during this tour in Australia. They went through all sorts of, you'll probably touch on that, but controversy with drugs and all that sort of stuff. So 
Um, I didn't get to see them because they pulled the pin uh, in 89 or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, over in Perth, and that was when they were supporting Slayer, uh, and that was on the end tour. Uh, tour and Slayer were on their World Painted Blood um, Oh, wow. Tour. And, yeah, so it was, it was obviously – I don't know whether they alternated because they're both obviously right up there. So I think each night they might have been alternating headlining. But I was just traveling um, for three months down the coast of – WA and I happened to be in Perth and I, I didn't even realize they were playing until I saw it on a poster. And um, so that was an absolute bonus. Yeah, really, wow. really good. That is yeah. really cool. Uh, yeah. I, and that, the other time was I was supposed to play Soundwave here and he had a falling out or he had an argument with, with um, Jason Newstead of all people who was touring in Newstead like as part of Soundwave. Mm-hmm. And they had a bit of a, I don't know, they had some bit of conflict or whatever and he pulled the pin again so i didn't yeah. get to see them at soundwave even though they were supposed to play on it so that's twice i would have seen them ah, you know? that sucks yeah yeah it does <laughs> i've seen them i'm trying to think of how many times i've seen them i know i saw them on the clash of the titans tour which was uh alice and chains opening um on their facelift tour with a slayer anthrax and megadeth and they were that was an alternating um, headliner every night. So it was between, you know, Al, uh, Anthrax, Slayer, and Megadeth. And the night that I saw it, Megadeth headlined it. And I'll be honest, I mean, Megadeth is my favorite of the three, but Slayer should have been the headliner because it was just Slayer. The intensity of the Slayer show compared to Anthrax or Megadeth mm-hmm. was just, I mean, it was just worlds apart. It was, uh, yeah. you know, and of course, Slayer fans are, insane so um i I saw megadeth open for judas priest on the painkiller tour which would have been rust in peace uh it was megadeth it was testament megadeth and then priest Uh, and i was there specifically to see megadeth and it wasn't the greatest show it was it was we we had crappy seats and um you know they played 45 minutes or whatever I saw them in 2001. I can't remember if it was it was the end of 01 or if it was during 02 because that was after the 9/11 happened and everything kind <clears> of <throat> grounded to a halt for a while and I remember but I remember seeing them cuz Dave was pissed. And uh, yeah. I remember them opening with Holy Wars. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've seen I, I could swear I've seen them again. Uh but I I can't think of it in my head right now. I've probably seen them on a, just a, another head. You know what? I saw them on the tour um, that had uh, the one they did around two. It would have been 90, 98 or uh, what was the one that had uh return to hanger on it? What, what album was that? Uh, um, uh, you know the one oh, I'm talking. The world needs a hero. The world needs a world hero. needs a hero. I saw them on that tour as well. Yeah, I saw them headlining on that tour because they had uh, it was um, they had some alter- like not all like some hard alternative type bands opening. Uh, yeah. uh, I can't remember the name of the band. I can think of it in my head. I can, um, but whatever it was, I saw them on that tour. So I've seen them five times at least. Um, I'd love to see them again. You know, before it's over. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, outside of that, uh, Kirsty, have you ever seen Megadeth live? No, I have not. Have not. Okay, okay. 
All right, well, let's get into the album then here. Um, this is definitely a shorter album. I think this album is, what, about 35 minutes long? Yeah, 34, 26. We've already been talking oh longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, we'll see here. Kirsty, do you want to take the first song? Sure, and the first song is Into the Lungs of Hell. instrumental uh it's just a brilliant intro to the album very triumphant and it's even got a literal fanfare you can hear horns you can hear them really clearly on the remaster uh-huh. for a couple of bars um uh like when it starts off there's this mix of one distorted guitar and one clean one yeah and then after the intro things get really fast and there's a great driving rhythm fast solo carries on throughout the song it gets more frantic towards the end and the ending of this song is great it just feels like it's really setting you up for the album uh-huh. and that the album's going to be epic definitely definitely um what about you mark yeah look for me i think it's it's probably my favorite well especially instrumental opening to any album when you think about you know things like the hellion or hell awaits you know eyes of march end games dialectic chaos it it just sets up the album like Kirsty said absolutely perfectly. I don't like the re the remix. You know when they got remix, I don't I don't like the horns on. I like I like the original, yeah. um, you know, version of the album. I don't don't like the uh, what they've done with all the the new stuff. Yeah, um, I prefer the, the original horns, as well. But yeah, it's it just it's just more crunching and more more um, just got a harder edge to it. But yeah, incredible start. It just the fact that it goes for so long and it's so laid back. Um, yet being intense and it just jumps from riff to riff. Um, for me, as I said, it is just the the perfect intro. Probably not just to this album; it suits it. But it's I I, I listen to this intro even um, like I'd listen to a song on an album. If I want to hear something that's really kicking and just getting me really pumped, I'm happy just to listen to that um, as a one off. Oh so, yeah. yeah, brilliant start to the album. Yeah, brilliant. Oh yeah, it's it's three and a half minutes roughly. Um, 
like Kirsty mentioned, the clean and the distorted guitar at the beginning. Man, it's just such a cool sounding intro. And instrumentals, a lot of times, kind of seem a little pointless and meandering. Mm. And I love Lost for Words off of Power Slave, but then. You know, there's some other like instrumentals they've done that I'm not that I don't care for in Maiden, um, <clears throat> but this this is man the you know the double bass kicks in the guitars sound good the soloing is very mm. it's quick but it's very tasteful you know which is amazing to think about a band like Megadeth having just so much there's there's so little of the guitar solos to me that are just going on noodling insanely like just vomiting out notes like Ingve would you know for a speed metal band. Like I would say a lot of Slayer solos are like that. Even I, for what I've heard, I just, they don't, they're not like, like to me, Megadeth solos always seem like they're pretty well thought out. And, but this song, you know, most instrumentals seem kind of pointless, but this one, like Kersey said, it seems like a perfect intro to the album. It, It definitely seems like it's very poignant and is leading you into something. Um, and I I would never ever skip this song like this even without the um, vocals. It's just it's a great listen. You don't listen to it and go like mm. you're not looking at your at your uh, you know clock going okay when's this one going to be over. <clears throat> yeah, but I, I think the soloing is really good. I think the double basing is really good. Uh, it's just a it's just a great start. It's a it's a great lead in to the intro that we get on the next song, which. Uh, Set the world afire. So, Mark, talk about Set the World Afire.
what I love about that is just the way it complements or it carries on from from you know into the lungs of hell. It just, I mean, even though after that um, not nineteen forty one little little cover from that song set the world afire, yeah, um, a little ditty. It, but then the before he even starts singing, it goes for about another minute or a minute and fifty seconds, something yeah. like that. Before he, and so it's almost like another whole intro. Uh huh. And it just what I love about it, even after such a long build up with the uh, with the opener and then the first sort of two minutes of set the world afire is even when he finally hits with the lyrics, it's actually like really smooth and calm. He doesn't come in frantic. Um, Very good point. Um, yeah, you, you know what I mean? So it's it's almost like, wow, it's like controlled chaos in thinking this guy's <laughs> on top of, of everything. It's, it's, um, yeah, it just sets the scene. So, um, um, yeah, what is it? Red Flash House checking out the morning sky, just the way uh-huh. he comes in, in with that. Uh, and I even like the effects on the voice. You know, it goes into that um, like distorted, you know, figures walk the streets in yeah. 89, where he does that that whole bit. And sometimes, like we were talking about the effects on vocals last week, and sometimes it can be a little bit too much, but I just think it absolutely complements it. Um, sounds oh, great. I love it. And yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I love, obviously, we know what it's all about. He's He's got something, you know, about, obviously, well, I guess so many bands like this without war because it's such a common thing to write about. Mm-hmm. But he even goes into, you know, he finishes off with that that um, Einstein quote uh, about, uh, you know, we'll be using rocks for World War Three because basically alluding to the fact that the nuclear war is going to wipe out the planet and it's going to take everyone back to the Stone Age. <laughs> and it's yeah. just such a, yeah, and it's such a doomy atmosphere that he can create. Um, and with, that, with that intro and then set the world on fire. I think it's a fantastic opening track. Yeah, love it. Excellent. Kirsty, what about you? Yeah, great solos too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read that Dave Mustaine wrote this on a bus immediately after being sacked from Metallica. And, yeah. He'd um, seen a leaflet about um, nuclear holocaust and it had the word Megadeth on it. And that's what this song was going to be called. Interesting. And, um, Interesting. Yeah. I like the way uh, um, cause it like Mark said, it starts off with a record playing quietly, and yeah. then you hear a bomb whistling, uh-huh. and then the song absolutely explodes into this really heavy, aggressive riff. And um, and it's like quite like all the songs. There's more than one riff, and um, so you get the time change, and then like this slower chugging riff before the verse begins. And I really like that section. Yeah. Um, and I I like the effect on the voices as well. It sounds like they're doubled up. It's like a little bit weird, but it really works. For I kind sure. of don't find the vocal melody to be too memorable on this track. It's more about the guitars. There's just so many great fills. And then in the faster bit, when the guitar solo comes in over the lyrics, and then it goes into a really chaotic solo. That's so cool. And then the vocals come back in. The guitar sounds like a siren, which really fits the theme. <laughs> and I just, um, even though I don't really, you know, I said I'd, don't find the melody to be too memorable, but I really like the way he sings No Survivors Set the World Afire at the end. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Have you ever heard it being referred to as the cupcake song? <laughs> I was about to bring yeah. that up. No, oh, I haven't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, okay, so so I read I read this. I've never heard that. I've never, ever heard this before. But, yeah, they said this was the the song that, Dave supposedly wrote on the bus ride 
you know, I guess from New York to uh, San Francisco. Uh, and supposedly he wrote it on a cupcake wrapper. <laughs> so, oh, I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. They were saying that, cupcake song after that. Yeah, some Sim fans referred to it as the cupcake song. I'm like, who? <laughs> well, it's a cute. <laughs> the cupcake song. Oh yeah. My favorite song on that album is the cupcake song. <laughs> oh gosh. James and Lars would refer it to as that. Yeah. 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 But I guarantee you, if they, they hear these riffs and I mean, he's, Man, this dude was good. It's it's amazing though to think that he wrote this song that early and that it just it didn't make mm. it till the third album. So no, that's true. Yeah, and I'm like Kersey. I, I I like that little intro, and I, I will say, I heard the remix of this album a little bit, and I don't even think I made it through the whole first song because it just it was so different sounding. You know, just like even on Into the Lungs of Hell that. Da, 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 da. That, that guitar just sounded different. And I was just like, oh man, what, what this is bad. I, I like yeah. it. May, maybe they accent certain things like Kirsty mentioned the horns. And, but I just, I was like, I want to hear it. It doesn't sound right. Thing is, if you don't have the album, that's what you get on Spotify is the remix. Mm, yeah. So uh, to go to YouTube. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I like the intro to this song where, you hear that, I don't want to set the world on fire. And then you can hear that. <laughs> and then that just explodes, like Kersey said, into that riff. And it's just that just, it's just fast. It's, you know, and then immediately, you know, when the drums kick in, and then it immediately gets past that into that, that really another super fast riff. That's just, it almost feels uncontrollable. Like that, that's one of the, I think that's one of the genius things about Megadeth their guitar playing is it almost sounds like it's just about to just go off into, you know, some crazy thing and, it, and it's all controlled. Like it's, it, mm. but yeah. Uh, and like you said, uh, okay, there's, there's about a minute and 45 seconds before he starts singing. So it's, I said, it's almost like there's a second uh, instrumental leading into yeah. the first song. So there's literally five and a half minutes of music with no vocals, which I think is really cool because, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it just, it seems kind of out of the ordinary. Well, don't you find it strange? Like the maturity of that sort of writing, when you consider firstly their age and then mm -hmm. mix in years and years of, of heroin and drugs. Oh gosh. Um, and this and, was the full of the it. conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And plus having all that anger and bitterness, bitterness with the Metallica guys and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's, it, I find it amazing. It just seems so mature for, 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 oh, yeah. Know, for, for someone that age. Yeah. It's like a lot. Of, it's just, it's, it's like the guitar. It's a lot of, it's controlled chaos in a way. It's, um, mm, yeah. But yeah, I think the, uh, the way he, like you said, the way his voice comes in and the way it kind of fades in red flash clouds. It's just, yeah. it, it's not like he has been waiting for five and a half minutes to finally sing, you know, and you, yeah. but he finally gets there and it, it's, I, I, I think I agree with Kirsty about the line. It doesn't necessarily, it's not the most memorable or anything, but it's still good. Mm. It's still good. And then I, I also love the, you know, when he says distorted figures, I always thought he said it's 1999. I didn't know he said 89. Me too. Yeah, always. I've always sung 99. But you must, I thought you said 89 just a minute ago. Oh, no. I mean, I know that's what it is, but I've always, <clears> you know, thought it was 99 like in my when i when i first listened to the album and i've always just sung 99 okay yeah. okay 
Yeah, because I, I, that's it. Sounds like it, but um, yeah, I I would go as far as to say I think it is ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> Mark, you've been outvoted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what one thing that I always thought was interesting about this one line that I've always loved in this song, and um, I th- I think Kirsty said that this song was originally supposed to be called Megadeth. Yeah. Yes. So the line in the song must be. Uh, where it came from, you know, because I and I've always loved the line, the arsenal of Megadeth can't be rid, they said. And if it comes, living will envy the dead. <laughs> I thought that was a great yeah. line. Uh, I just thought that was so great. Yeah, it is. Even though he's probably singing about, you know, nuclear war, the Megadeth, not Megadeth with me singing. But it's a it's a dual <laughs> yeah. line. I, I've always liked that line. Um, but there's not really a chorus in the song either. Uh, you know, unless you just say, you know, count the set the world of fire at the end. Um, I think all the soloing in the song, <coughs> excuse me, is good. Uh, I think Chuck Baylor's drumming is really good in this song. I think the mix, uh, the, the, just the mix of the album itself, the production is not that great to me. It's, uh, yeah. it's not terrible, but especially when you hear how great it is on the next album, it's a little, and even probably the last album had a certain amount of just not an incredible production value, even though it's not terrible, it's just not great. And yeah, yeah. when you get to Rust in Peace and it, you know, that album, yeah, was, Rust in Peace is a big step up, yes, yes. So I, I probably yeah. didn't think about it back then, but when you hear, oh wow, how great this is, I can understand why they wanted to remix the album, I guess, reproduce it. But yeah, but they just did too much. So yeah, well, because they, they got rid of their producer, uh, what Paul Laney halfway through got fired, mm-hmm. um, and then they got that yeah Michael um, Wagner, uh, or the, the German fella, and he came in. Yeah, um, but Mustaine wasn't happy with the mix in the end. But the ironic thing, Metallica always pops up. I mean that that Michael that German mixer, he'd mm-hmm. done Master of Puppets, mm-hmm. mix that. Yeah. So there's always there are always references back to Metallica, and why would he get him to do that if he's just come off doing um, Master of Puppets? If he's got a problem with them, it's just um, there's so many parallels. You know, I think and, the uh, thing is though, yeah. I think, and I hate this sounds weird when I think about saying it, but I think Megadeth is more of a guitar band than Metallica is. Mm. You know, their mm. their guitar playing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, like the James Hetfield's rhythm guitar playing is insane. But the, the rhythm guitars as well as the solos are very, very point they're very poignant solos. Or nothing is nothing seems like it was accidental on the soloing to me on their albums. And so it just feels more guitar driven. I think but, Metallica have got like more songs that you could sing. <clears throat> and in Megadeth you tend to remember the guitars. Yeah, that's probably true. Um one yeah. other thing I really like about this song is, you know, the, he gets the, the part where he sings the arsenal of Megadeth can't be read. They said it's pretty frenetic and fast paced, but then there's the soloing going on and then it gets back to the, the riff, you know, where it's just like, it's like that lead in riff where he's going to sing red flash clouds, but he sings, you know, dig deep the bodies of road and ruins or whatever. Now it just sounds so good. And then there's that swelling guitar in the background and, you know, and then he, he gets to the end where he, you know, sings set the world of fire and the song ends. And it's kind of a, when he says set the world of fire, there's that, that almost that same vocal thing going on. 
It's almost like yeah, his voice yeah. is being distorted because of the nuclear, you know, war that's overtaking him or whatever. It's really interesting. It's an interesting song. Um, yeah, it is. <clears throat> uh, what was I gonna? I was gonna ask you guys something. I can't remember what it was. What do you think of the album cover, Kirsty? Well, it's okay. It's not one of their best, but it's kind of it's kind of creepy. I think it kind of fits the album. Okay. What about you, Mark? Yeah, it's funny because I, if I look back now in retrospect and think about all the album covers, it's easy to be critical. But when I got it on tape, you know, when it came out, um, that was just what it was, and so. I loved it. I never really thought too much about it. So every time I see it, I just associate what I think about the album with it. So it's the album covers fine by me for sure. I guess, I guess when I look at it and I think about how great the album cover of peace cells is Mm -hmm. and then how great rust in peace is after the fact, I can remember seeing this way back then and just thinking it looked kind of stupid. Like it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was, was going to say, like, in reference to that, if if you consider the Rust in Peace and um, Peace Cells were done by the same artist, sure. Why sure. in between those two did they get this fellow to do it and not not the same get a flow on? So that's quite interesting. Yeah, it makes you wonder if it was a financial issue. If they just didn't have the money because they were spending all their money on drugs. Because this, you know, this yeah, is yeah, they just had a lot going on for this album, didn't they? So yeah, <clears throat> it is very different to the albums either side. Yeah, it's really it's 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 really strange because both of those albums are really 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 strong, and well, mm. well here I'll get into that here in a minute though. But yeah, I I, I don't hate the cover, but I just it, it's just kind of always been like a dud to me compared to compared to what was like the immediately following it and immediately before it. So yeah, I, I think the thing that I liked about it though was it's um it's almost like watching a news clip or a, a frozen. Because it's so much about war and aggression mm-hmm. and and um, protests and 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 negative stuff. That when I see it, it's just like what was on the news in the eighties with all the things going on and the conflicts. Um, and so for me, it was like capturing a still of a TV screen, except instead of having some soldier, you know, the, the, you've obviously got Vic um, there. <laughs> yeah. and, and so just you know, what I mean, it just it just tied in with the theme of, of, of war and destruction. Sure, man, sure. I always associate it with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I. It's not, it's just not, I guess ultimately it's just not a very memorable album cover, you know, cause you think about sure. rust and peace and, 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 you know, whoever, whoever's on that cover of the album, <laughs> whoever's drawn on the cover. Um, <laughs> and then you think of peace cells and I don't know, I, I, I still remember this when I look at it, but I just always think, eh, it is. Eh. You just, it's just the one you look right past, I think. So, um, <clears throat> so I have a confession to make, uh, a couple of days ago, for the first time ever, I listened to a song called Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols. Um, gotta admit. I thought you'd never heard it on the radio or anything? Mm-mm, never. I might have heard snippets of it before, but that was the first time that I just mindfully sat down because I was listening to this song. I am an anti-Christ, and I am an anarchist. Don't know what I want, but I know what I get. I want to 
Anarchy in the UK, the Megadeth version. And I was like, I was reading, uh, I was on YouTube and I was just kind of reading comments and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Let me go and listen to the Sex Pistols version because a lot of people are, you know, talking about it. And I listened to it and I was just like, I won't be going back to that again. So uh, I, I didn't like that. I, I guess I'm so used to the Megadeth pace, you know, that listening to him sing it really slow and just, I don't know, it just, it doesn't do anything for me. So <clears throat> uh, I, I, I love listening to Johnny Rotten interviews. I love listening to him talk because he's very <laughs> honest and he doesn't give a crap who he's talking to. He doesn't mince words. He just says whatever he really thinks. And I love that. I love his personality. I like that about him. But uh, as a vocalist, I'm not a big fan. Um, kind of like Lemmy. Lemmy was the same way. I, I really enjoy listening to Lemmy interviews because he's very honest and he didn't. He really didn't care. He told things the way they were. But I don't like listening to him sing. So <laughs> uh, I could think of. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's plenty of people let's like not. that. Huh? That's not. Okay, let's just stop here. <laughs> so. <laughs> So the next song up, Anarchy in the UK. And um, like I said, I didn't care for the Sex Pistols song. I remember I used to go to my cousin's house a lot during this time frame of my life. I was around 16 years old and I'd go over there and spend the weekends and we'd always watch Headbangers Ball. I, I remember <clears throat> I remember this song being on a lot because at the at the beginning of it, he says, I am an antichrist and they would edit that out. It'd be like, I am an like it would just, and I never understood, you know, knowing it was, that was back in the PMRC days, which we're going to get into here in a bit, obviously. Um, So they, you know, back then it was, things were just not, you couldn't get away with saying those things, I guess, back then nearly as much as you can, or at least in the mainstream. Um, I always remember that being edited out. And then there was another part, um, toward the end of the song where he said something uh, uh, that rhymed with the word runt liked tendencies. And they would always edit that bit out. But I remember on the video, they would, that, that clip always flashed over to David Ellison and you can see him mouthing the words to it the whole time, which is funny. <laughs> um, but I always liked this song. Um, I think the guitar solo, there's a bit where he says, it's the only way to be. And then there's this really short, but really good guitar solo right before he comes back. And it says of many ways to get what you want. Um, I think this is a pretty good song. Uh, I enjoy it for what it is. Uh, It's not my favorite on the album. It's not my least favorite on the album. I like it. Uh, It's a, it's a good song. So um, curse. uh, I'm sorry, Mark, what do you think of this one? Um, yeah, I'm not, not a big, big fan of it. Incidentally, with, um, those lyrics that you were talking about, the one that rhymes with, with runt, um, <laughs> um, apparently like Dave Mustaine had heard it wrong and that's why he'd use those, 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 those lyrics. But then, you know, when Johnny Rotten heard that he was apparently pretty pissed off or pretty angry, um, about, about that, the fact that he, he what does he, what does that. he say in the original? Cause I, I was specifically listening to the original to see if certain parts were in there. Certain, is yeah, this I'll, the UDA? Is this the IRA? I was like, is he using the same things? But what does he say there? I thought that's what he said. Uh, I'll find it. I'll find it. I, I know I was reading about it before and I've, I've, I've got it somewhere. Okay. Cause um, I, something, I, about, something about countries. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a better word to substitute there, I guess. Good job, Kirsty. Let's let Matt, Mark, let's let the lady say it. <laughs> it was for just another country. Are you sure you want to? No, no, but he says, or just another country. And then after that, he says, and other like tendencies. But what's the line? What does he say there? Some other something country. It's still a swear word in there that I can't say. What does it start with? F. Oh, really? He says the F word there. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't. I was listening for the word that that, that Dave Mustaine says. And that's what I heard there. So, okay. Okay. So go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Um, look, I've never, I've never been much into punk and, um, and I've never been much into the sex pistols. Mm-hmm. So, and I've never really been into this version of that song. And after a brutal opening and an incredible first song, um, it just, yeah, it's a, it took a backward step to me. It's a song I'll sort of, I'll pretty much always skip. Like if I listen to a whole album through, mm-hmm. I'd be happy to skip that just because um, I'm not into punk. And sure. with an album that's that's only sort of under 35 minutes long <clears throat> yeah. and starts off with six minutes of music, I, I'm just and I know what Dave Mustaine and the band are capable of. It just for me, it just seems unnecessary. Like why would you not have an awesome Megadeth song in sure. there and sure. a cover? I understand why. I mean, I'm not delusional, so sure. I can see why, but. I'm still disappointed because um, I don't particularly like the song. Um, yeah, I know they had Steve Jones, the guitarist of Sex Pistols, came in and played on it, yeah. um, which gives it some sort of credibility, I guess, if you if you if you imagine that. Mm. But um, apparently, also Steve Jones, um, he wanted a hundred bucks and and a score of some heroin, and they're like, "You're not going to get that for a hundred bucks. How about we give you a thousand bucks and here's a phone book you can go and score yourself?" <laughs> and um, apparently that. That, that was a deal for him to come in and play play guitars, you know, on the track. Not surprising. So a, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. Megadeth didn't just say, yeah, well, you can use some of ours. <laughs> we got some here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I would have caused a big fight probably. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll guitar, get, But no, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you because it's the first two songs, you know, obviously the, inst- the opening is great. Uh, Set the World of Fire is a good Megadeth song. And then it goes into this, and 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 as short as the album is, you know, you're almost we're already you know almost at the halfway point of the album. So, yeah, yeah, I kind of understand the way you feel about that one too. So, if I wanted to put a positive spin on it, I'd <clears throat> I'd think that because of that song and because of the trouble they got into in Northern Ireland was the inspiration for Holy Wars. So I there guess you that's go, a positive spin on it, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that is the best thing that could have come out of that. So, absolutely. Uh, okay, well, what about you, Kirsty? What do you think of anarchy in the UK? Okay, I'm going to start off by correcting myself. I was just telling you the Motley Crue r- <laughs> lyrics. Uh. I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I couldn't remember there being swearing in the original. Yeah. It was another council tenancy. Council? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And... I'll- I've grown up and I've known this song all my life. That this is the original to me. So yeah, it's I'm coming at it from a different direction. Sure, sure. And I like the original song. Mm. Okay. I think um, it really suits Megadeth as a thrash band, which thrash comes out of punk sure. to do this song. <clears throat> and it's pretty true to the original. It is unfortunate mm. that they changed the lyrics when 
they had Steve Jones there, they could have probably just asked him. <laughs> he might have been too high. <laughs> so maybe that's just what he actually wanted to sing. I don't know. Um, there, yeah, it's good. There's a few added solos, and it's a bit rockier, but it's a pretty straight cover. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're technically better musicians. Maybe I'd prefer them to change it up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fine. I like it. Not not the best. <laughs> yeah, I like but, it. <laughs> yeah. I do. Um, fun fact, Steve Jones played on this track with his arm in a cast. Huh. Oh. Just to add to all the dramas of making this album. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, this album, I mean, I remember being kind of let down. Just, there's, well, we'll still, we got we got a lot more to get into. But yeah, I just, it's, I mean, if you just, just, just from the start, just looking at the album cover, is an indication of the direction this album goes compared to especially from P cells. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think the song was good and catchy. I think it, it did well as far as, you know, you take an established song by an established band or whatever you want to call the sex pistols. Um, you take something that's well known and you, you take a band like Megadeth, but I've never been a huge fan of Megadeth's covers. They did, um, I'm trying to think of what they did. They did Paranoid, I believe, on the uh, Black Sabbath tribute, uh, Nativity in Black. I'm not a huge fan of that one. I, I, def- I think Megadeth is one of those bands that just, kind of like Bruce Dickinson, way mm. better on their own material. And on covers, I'm just, mm. I'm not as huge. But I like this one, I guess, too, because uh, I guess I like this one better just because it's not one that I was overly familiar with. And I heard it first by them. So maybe that makes a little. Yeah. Um, now, Kirstie, I want you to uh, take this next song first. Uh, Mary Jane.
Yeah, this was um, a single. I think it's like relatively accessible. Okay. Um, you can pretty much you could probably sing this one. There's um, so there's a legend of a haunted cemetery near where Dave Ellison grew up mm-hmm. about a girl who takes up witchcraft and is buried alive by her father. And the words on her tombstone are contained in the lyrics, which is, um, I can't find it now. Yeah, beware my friends as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I, as I am now, so you must be, prepare my friends to follow me. So um, it starts off sounding pretty creepy with some spoken words. Yeah. And um, and you've got some really nice jangly guitars and vocal harmonies, which is, quite gentle i like the singing on this song um the vocals are a bit more melodic and then we go straight into a riff that's really catchy and it actually got stuck in my head for days and again there's another time change and another great riff so many good riffs on this album um so yeah the song starts off really creepy and dark and atmospheric and then um it's kind of about he's going past the grave and he's getting possessed by it or something and it starts to sound more urgent and panicky mm-hmm. when he gets towards the bit where he's saying, forgive me, Father, it's really speeding up. You get more feels. Mm-hmm. And then he's <clears throat> screaming, never, never, never. And it's um, then you get the words on a headstone again. Yeah. But it's a bit more frantic. And it just suddenly stops. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I love this song. Yeah. Um, same here. I, I This song, oh, gosh. it's To me, this is the... F- the first two songs were good, but to me, this is the first song where it's just like, this is just like, you know, you're getting something like the way it just starts out with a bah, forgive me father for I have sinned. I'm a child of the air. I'm a witch of the winds and I'm still wide awake. You know what that, whatever that uh, vocal effect or whatever. Oh, it's so cool. And then, you know, it kicks into that. It's almost like this really mellow vibe where he's like, Mary Jane. And there's a da, 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 da. <clears throat> I I think the verses, uh, like you said, the verses are really they're melodic. They're good. Um, he's he's kind of his voice is he's mellowed out the way he's singing it. Um, I like the bit where he's singing and he says he's like, no, I can't get away. There's no escape. You know, I'm crazy. You know, and then it's like, if I know I'm going crazy, I must not be insane. And then the music just completely dun 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 dun, dun, dun. and um speeds up again and he says the part uh beware my friends as you pass by like you said um and then there's just that fast guitar there's the drumming there's lo- it's just there and then there's the bit where the music completely changed where it's like and that's when he comes in with that forgive me father for i've sinned oh man dude so freaking good man i love I, I really really like this and then uh the, to me the last I don't know, the whole end of the song, you know, when he says, I'll never be the same, never, 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 and all that. Oh, so good. And then how he the, the, he sings, he's more, like you said, much more frantically at the end, you know, pre, beware my friends as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I, as I am now, so you must be. And then he, I love it. It just, it hurts so bad, I can't breathe. And, he's, and then I talk the whole, the whole God dang thing. When he's like, prepare to follow me. Hey, hey. And you hear his voice just echo like like he's just being pulled under or something. This is just the to me, this is by far the best song on the album so far. Uh I love it. I love this song so much. Uh Mark, what do you think of it? 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. Look, you, you, that's all right. You're getting very excited. It's fantastic. Yeah, and um, yeah, no, everything you've both said about it is is spot on. He's such a master at building a picture. It's almost like um, you know, writing or directing a horror movie where he's just you start off slow and haunting and and you just take your time and you build and by the end of it you've come to this climax where everything's happening and all the distortion you know at the end and mm-hmm. it's it's sort of confusing and it's it's um like a jumble of so much so much noise and where you think where it came from at the start of the song and he's taking you on that whole journey and especially um you but you both said it where he holds you know where it's haunting me mm-hmm. and um and you know the riff just before where it's forgive me father that that whole bit yeah. that riff is just awesome and um, so yeah, beautiful song. Once again, they showing what a master he is at um, at creating a I guess a feel or an atmosphere, uh, and then just running with it. So yeah, great song. That's a really good point that you made about how it's it's like almost like in a movie how it starts out, it builds up, and then at the end it's just the frantic chaos that's happening at the to the climax of the movie. Man, that's really. <clears throat> It's mm. it's almost like controlled chaos again. It's, yeah, yeah, for sure. He's really good at that. Dave is really good at, at or bringing that and presenting it. Man, that's good stuff. Oh, so good. Yeah, so good. Um, <clears throat> now uh, the next song, uh, Mark, let you take the next song five zero two or five o two. Um, look, I really like the opening riff. I uh-huh. think it's an absolute cracker when it just comes in. Yeah, really, really good opening, opening, opening riff. Um, but sort of for me, like the song in a whole, like I, I always know what a five hundred two is. Um, like you know, being over the limit with um, with alcohol, driving and all that sort of stuff, and the police obviously call it a, a five hundred two reference mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. The lyrics don't appeal to me at all. Um, they're not. It's not my cup of tea i've never been in that sort of stuff i understand mm-hmm. it's all about youth and and energy and driving fast <laughs> and cars and and um speed and all of that stuff going on yeah uh but i feel like i find the chorus quite simple you know with driving fast makes me feel good you know the speed of light shot <laughs> under my hood yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah it just seems a bit sort of corny to me and cheesy and um for sort of the music doesn't stand out 
uh, it doesn't set the atmosphere or a tone like a lot of the other songs do on on this album um for me and even that car crash at the end or you know with the big skid and bang yeah it's just seemed a bit bit cheesy to me so apart from that opening riff and you know breaking down i guess um basically and some of the drums behind it when you break it down individually it's it's really really good but together for me as a whole song doesn't do much for me yeah um yeah kind of i i kind of gonna echo what you said there i the riff at the beginning is cool. Um, you know, the whole pull over, this is the cops. Uh, yeah. Kind of sounds dumb. Um, I wrote down, this is not what I want from Megadeth lyrically. Uh, you know, just the whole, you know, this driving fast makes me feel good. The speed of light trapped under hood, breaking laws because there's nothing to do. I mean, that's just, I feel like this was a, for a 35 minute album. And I think this song is only three minutes long, but this just seems like a total throwaway track. You know, I mean that the lyrics, it just, it's just like, <clears throat> it's like Dave was just like, yeah, just, yeah. Breaking loss. Cause there's nothing to do, you know, whatever. Just, I mean, that just seems like with some of you look at the lyrics on the last album and you look at the lyrics on the next album. I mean, I know this is a, kind of a turd sandwich of, 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 of albums because you got great bread on both sides and you got this, you know, some of this stuff in the middle. It's just compared to what we get before and after it just, it's not fair to compare, I guess, but it just is what it is. Uh, I do kind of like the bit where, you know, the guitar solo is happening and there, the, the music changes the way it sounds like, it sounds like you're listening to it on a car radio, like an old, 80s or 70s car radio and then it just you know slams into the car and it kind of explodes back into the sound of the album i I think that's pretty cool effect i like the way it's done um that's one of the better parts of the song um and and the way the song ends you know i just i don't really care i usually like listening to drummers play just crazy bits here and there but i i don't really like the way this goes at all it's just this it's just incessant drumming with no real pattern at all. Nothing that just grabs me at all as someone who plays drums a little bit. And um, the only good thing about the ending of this song is that when it fades all the way out, the next song comes in. So <clears throat> Kirsty, <laughs> what do you think of five Oh two? Yeah. Well, this means nothing to me. I'm a careful driver. Um, <laughs> like said, like lyrically, I'm not, that interested in it and you said like the previous album and the next album they're not as good but even the previous song and the next song <laughs> yeah um yeah look it's um a relatively straight ahead short song it's got some good riffs and solos mm-hmm. um i would enjoy it a lot more if it didn't have the sound effects okay the sirens and the car horns it uh, really spoils the flow of the song and takes me out of it it's fine. I don't mind it, but it's not something I'd go to. Gotcha. Yeah, th- this song is kind of this album in a nutshell compared to the other two albums because, like you said, it's sandwiched in between wh- what I'm going to say are the two best songs on the album, without a doubt. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'll go into the next song here. 
uh, in my darkest hour, which is, uh, it was in the, um, it was in that movie, the, uh, decline of the Western civilization part two. Oh, was- yeah. Was, it was pretty much, unless you're a fan of, you know, watching complete idiots make complete fools of themselves <laughs> uh, and watching Chris Holmes, you know, possibly completely drunk in a pool, uh, it's, this is the best musical part of the whole movie. And it's just, it's cool to hear Dave talk about it and just, even though they don't really show his face and he's just like hanging his head low and all that, it's, it's, it's an interesting look, the whole, but... Right from the first drum hit, the mix of you know uh, acoustic and electric guitars together, uh, it just sounds epic coming in. There's a great you know build, uh, just a great build up coming into it from the get go. It just you know and it gets that just that cool riff and then that then the dual lead lines. It's just it's just great, man. Uh, lyrically, <clears throat> you know, in my hour of need, you're not there. 
And though I reached out for you, you wouldn't lend a hand. But through the darkest hour, grace did not shine on me. You know, it's, it's just, it's a song that we were all of age at that point where you're, you're old enough to really grasp those feelings. You know, I feel so cold. No one cares for me. Just, you know, to feel sorry for yourself. And it, it's just, the lyrics are dark. They're real. The music is, is fantastic. Um, and then we get to that musical shift where he's like, I walk alone into the promised land with that vocal effect. I'm trying to restrain my language here. God dang. <laughs> it, it sounds, it's just so good, you know? And then, you know, everlasting life for me in a perfect world. I got to die first. And, oh man, it's just, everything is, is just, everything about this song is just head and shoulders above just about every other song on the album. Um, as the song ends, you know, with the frenetic pace of the song and the soloing going on, mm-hmm. and then you get that that drum that drum beat that that fast and and then it leads all the way back to that intro, that just gorgeous intro, and then the song just it just fades out, and what a great song! What a just a just a just a incredible incredible song. Mark, what do you what do you have to say? Yeah, it's obviously the longest song. It's over six minutes, which is is refreshing because it gives him time to actually build a whole composition and just give you something to sink your teeth into. I think it's played pretty much in even now. It's it's in all the sets. It's a it's a stable one, so mm-hmm. obviously it's really really popular. Yeah. Um, I think. Um. Well, apparently, I mean, you probably know. Um. It, it, you know, apparently, wrote it in one sitting after hearing about Cliff Burton. Um, you know, dying or was about about that whole that sure. period. Yeah, and once again, lots of anger because the Metallica boys didn't personally call him and tell him he had to find out on the <laughs> TV or whatever. Um, so sort of, I guess, more sport spite and anger uh, about that sort of stuff. But I think the lyrics also, uh, it's you can tell it's not specifically about that. It's also about relationships and other things as well. Sure, um, but he sort of t- tied that in. But um, you've just summed it up beautifully. Just that that whole. <laughs> Beautiful start, and um, and and you know the descending scales, uh, it just creates that lovely atmosphere. Um, and when it speeds up, you know that where I walk, I walk alone into mm-hmm. the promised land, and just yeah, um, fantastic transition. Uh, and then even all the way down to um, that end sort of chugging riff before <laughs> it winds down, um, and just yeah, fades. It's, yeah, it's it's a lovely composed piece. You can see why it's so popular. Um, uh, live, really, really good. Oh yeah. Do you do you feel like? Because well, I'll just say I don't feel like he was owed a call from Metallica. I mean, you think about it, they mm. th- that news probably came across so quick. They were probably still in Poland or wherever they were <laughs> before. It's you know, the news was getting out before. You know, it's not like they're going to go. Oh crap! Let's call Dave real quick. I mean that. Mm. I don't. I, I've I read. I've read that that he says that, and I just feel like, eh, they didn't. Oh, I mean, who are they going to call his family? They're going to call. Just, I don't know who you're going to call. Dave Mustaine. No. I, th- I thought exactly the same thing uh, as you've just said. I thought, Dave, why would they? I mean, they were on the bus. They were in the crash. They'd be in shock. Mm-hmm. Their their mate, you know, is just died, mm-hmm. and. All of a sudden, all and Anthrax are obviously with them on, mm-hmm. on that tour and all that sort of stuff, and they're all together and they're just freaking out. 
why would you straight away be thinking, I better call Dave and let him know? Um, yeah. You know, you would once the smoke clears and once you gather your thoughts and all that sort of stuff, but that's going to take a week. It's not going to, you know, it's not, yeah. So I, I agree with you. Um, I think it will almost be, if they could consider those things, it will almost be insensitive. Um, and, and I think Dave can't believe Dave doesn't understand that. Of course he's going to hear it on the news before they yeah. can actually get to tell him. Yeah. yeah, you would think he probably did at a certain point get it. But there, there's a really interesting – I'm trying to remember who the interview was with. It was, it was a Scott Ian interview that he did. I can't remember who he did it with. I want to, It might have been Dean Del Rey. It might have been uh, Eddie Trunk, but he talked a lot about whenever that bus accident happened and he like really talked about like, yeah, you know, we were already at the next hotel or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, we got there and, or we were there and I don't know if they heard about if the band showed up or if they just started hearing about an accident. Hey, the tours canceled or, but it was, it was pretty chilling to listen to him talk about it because there's somebody who was, you know, maybe half an hour ahead of him, maybe an hour ahead of him, two hours ahead of him, waiting just yeah. waiting for Metallica to show up, you know, at the hotel. It was pretty yeah. cool. But uh, Kirsty, what do you? I'm sorry, Kirsty, what do you think about this song? Well, that's okay. <laughs> um, this song's brilliant and very intense and emotional, and um, the pain that he was in, rightly or wrongly. Um, it really shows in the music and his vocal delivery. Um, it's a lovely slow acoustic intro. Um, I'm just going to say the chord progression here reminds me of Age of Innocence by Iron Maiden. Um, yeah. Jesse will tell us if it's not and hopefully play it for us. Anyway, <laughs> I have very different feelings about this song, don't worry. And that, that's a really great um, <laughs> mid-paced riff. And yeah, his vocal delivery is just so good. He's really pouring all his feelings into it. Yeah, uh, it really gets across the feelings of loneliness and isolation, how much he's been hurt. Um, and in the lyrics, um, he's going from sad to angry to desperate to suicidal. And the music mirrors it. It's getting faster and building and getting more chaotic. But then right at the end, it just calms down. And right for the outro. Um, so, yeah, it, like Mary Jane, it's sort of painting a picture. And you can um, and you can read like this has helped a lot of people reading the lyrics. This song has. Yeah, definitely. Because they can relate to how he was feeling. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad we all agree on that one. So, uh, mm. now we'll go to another song that maybe uh, we'll all agree on as well. This one is called um, <clears throat> the Chris Poland diss track.
I'm sorry. This one is called <laughs> This one is called Liar. So um Mark, why don't you talk about the song Liar? <laughs> well, yeah, the Chris Pollan diss track exactly. <laughs> um look, uh, uh, look music wise, I I I like the um um you know, the opening riff. Uh and like uh, the the part where it speeds up, uh, you know, I like that actual fast part where he's where he's singing, you know, Star Trouble Spread. But I don't like the lyrics. But yeah, I like the actual, uh, you know, the, the tempo or the, or the way it's sung. But you know, the lyrics they're just dirty, they're nasty. I think it's um, I think it's pretty sad that it's aimed at Chris Poland. I know we're talking about the music and everything, mm-hmm. but I'm still sort of it's it's it, it it's really spiteful, and um, I just don't understand why it it would be, you know. Uh, be that nasty, especially when he then asked him back to do the solos. You know, it's incredible that he album, came back. Demo, yeah. That's, then, yeah, exactly. I know, exactly, right. I mean, did he not listen to the album? <laughs> and, um, and and then, come, like I said, come again, come back into the band for 2004 to record again. But, um, yeah, so I like some of the music in the song, but, and the, the solo, uh, is it's a great solo. Like Jeff Young's, uh, he does a really good solo in that, which I, which I like. But, um, but yeah, pretty nasty, and it's not a very long song, which is sort of probably a good thing. Uh, yeah, you know, mid, mid-tempo. mid Okay. Not a favorite. I-, I thought this song was about, um, <clears throat> about uh, Rob Halford because he says, your brother's a gay singer in a stud leather band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I-, I picked that as well. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Are you trying to say that um- – that, that, that Poland is, is Rob's brother. Could be. So, could. so it's like the least insulting thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What do you think of this song, uh, Kirsty? Yeah, it's just so much aggression. He's just so angry. And, uh, um, it's just a, a, like a really fast, aggressive song all the way through. There's not like time changes and things like that, really. Um I like these lyrics. I find them quite amusing. Um, <laughs> he, I like the way he, he just spits them out with so much venom. Mm. Um, mm. I especially love the way he says sewer rat, which I can't do. I can't roll my arm. Yeah. He says, yeah, uh, I, I have that written down too. I have that written down yeah, too. Um, I don't really like that bit when he shouts liar, liar, liar that much though. Yeah. Um, Last <laughs> verse, he absolutely goes off on one, you know, the greasy face, teeth decay, hair, <laughs> matted, it's like, <laughs> It reminds me of a Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire. <laughs> <laughs> Very and, good point. Um, yeah, if, if anyone wrote a song yet. like that to me, I probably wouldn't come back and play on another one of their albums. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably enjoy this a bit more than you two do. This is probably the first time that this that Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire has ever been compared to a Liar by uh, <laughs> Megadeth. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's got a good opening bit. Um, you know, it's it's a decent song, but I I do like the line, and I'll try to do it if I can. <clears throat> I, I like when he says, "From altar boy to sewer rat, you don't give a damn." Oh, well done. I love I love the rolling. <laughs> I love the R's when they roll them because uh, Rob Halford does that a lot too. And oddly enough, there's it mentions a gay singer in a stud leather band here. So, um, but yeah, I've always. Loved that line. And Dave Mustaine does it occasionally. I think he does that on uh, Rust in Peace somewhere. I can't remember where. Um, I think there's the lead bits that they play in between the verses. Uh, they're pretty erratic, but they seem to fit 
the makeup of the song. Um, I think there's a there's a there's a cool bit musically where he says where the music just kind of changes really quick. And he says when he says he says make up your stories. The truth is so hard to see. Uh, I think the musical pace, like where it changes there, is pretty good. And then the um, <clears throat> then that bit, like you said, the we didn't start the fire, but that start trouble spread pain, <laughs> piss and venom in your veins, sweat, liquid, breathe, snot, uh, uh, eat garbage, spit blood, eat garbage, spit blood, diseased. Health hazard scumbag filthy bastard greasy face tooth decay hair matted drunk day rock gut scrambled brain uh I try to remember the rest of it rob uh steal money crash cars rob jewelry hot guitars uh rotten hell it's time you know uh, I know there's a they say that Chris Poland was supposedly selling band equipment for heroin. I find it hard to believe that he might have been the only one doing that during this time, though. I think absolutely, that, that's you know. I um, think they'd have been a bit more um, understanding, considering all of them were addicted. But yeah. Anyway, I, I love I'm wondering how much. It's, I'm wondering how much of these lyrics are about himself too, self reflection, yeah. because exactly they're all in the same boat. And yeah, isn't it amazing with all these horrible lyrics that there isn't any swearing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, oh, at the is. end, at the very end, you know. Actually, yeah. yeah, you know. Oh, well, in the main, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not a, I'm honestly not a big fan of that ending either. You know, you're a liar, liar, liar. It's just, it's. I know it's. There's a certain amount of probably anger and angst and aggression, but it, to me, it doesn't come across in the lyrics as well. It, it just doesn't come across as well. I, I, I do love the bit where he sings all that really fast stuff, just because it's fast. And it's yeah. just like, wow, he's just spewing it out so quickly. Mm. Um, so I like this song okay. I mean, it, it's it, it's definitely not one when you want to name the best songs on the album. You're going to go, oh, yeah, liar. So, But um, for the sewer rat line, I, I, I always like that. So. <laughs> um, so the last song on this album <clears throat> is Hook in Mouth. So Kirsty, talk about. Hook in mouth.
if you ask me um, back in March when we were first talked about doing this, um, I was really into this song. I, I didn't really like the vocal melody. Mm-hmm. And I could see that a lot of people were choosing this as a favourite from this album, and I, I just couldn't really get it. Oh, wow. Um, even though that the guitars, and particularly the bass, are amazing in this song. Yeah. I was just like... I just didn't like the vocal melody, but it has this week. It's kind of grown on me, um, especially when I heard it live on Rude Awakening. Um, so I, I like the bit when they, they they shout out the letters. Yeah. I didn't really know so much about what it was about. Um, so I guess there's that. I don't really know about the PMRC. Yeah. Um, it always makes me laugh a little bit, though, when he says, I'm not a fish, I'm a man, at the end. <laughs> yeah. Even though this song's, like, really serious. <laughs> I'm just, like, cracking up. Um, but, yeah, yeah, not not one of my favourites, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I, I really, uh, for me, I think it starts off really cool musically, like with that, you know, Dave sounds cool when he's singing that cockroach on the concrete or whatever. And he's got, <laughs> like you said, it's just, it's just Dave Ellis, uh, David Ellison playing the bass and the drums and then, you know, Dave's cool sound and vocal, um, you know, and it gets to that point, make a person disappear. No one will ever miss you. And then that riff that comes in there is really cool. Um, <clears throat> and the song changes pace again. You say you got the answers. Well, who asked you anyway? Uh, and it gets to the, I believe my kingdom will come. And then that, that guitar bit is just so fast and, uh, it's really cool. Um, you know, the chorus, of course, F is for fighting, R is for red. Uh, ancestors, blood, and battles we shed. E, we elect them. E, we eject them. Land of the free, home of the brave. D for your dying, O, your mature. M, they will cover. The line I was singing out loud in my living room last night with my wife and daughter in there. M, they will cover your grave with manure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, and then the other time they say. How did your wife enjoy that? Uh, they just they just kind of ignore me. So, uh, And then the, they also say M is for money. You know what that cures. Um, but yeah, this in the States, uh, the PMRC was a pretty big deal. Uh, and it, it felt for a while like they were a real threat, you know, even though we know they really weren't nothing of the sort. It was just a political game that was being played to try to get somebody elected into office ultimately. And really, it just helped album sales for a lot of bands in the end, because when you looked at the cover and you saw that, you know, parental advisory explicit lyrics, it was just... I don't know that I ever bought an album because it had that on it, but it just looked cool anyway. It was just a cool, and and I can remember, you know, it was it was it. You didn't turn an album away because it had that <laughs> ever. So, <laughs> and it seemed I could it's, I could sw- I swear I can remember that there was a time where they were IDing people when it started, where you would try to buy something and they'd be like, well, you know, you need we need to see your ID. Like you got to be 18 or something to buy an album because it's got a stupid sticker on it. And, um, but it really, it, it did feel like a real thing for a while. And, and, you know, like there's, you know, D Snyder, uh, Frank Zappa mm-hmm. and John Denver, an odd, an odd trio there, but they're all famous for having got up and spoken in front of Congress back then on behalf of, uh, you know, musicians. And it was interesting because, you know, D Snyder's obviously very famous for it because he looked like a freak and he got in there and he was very well <laughs> thought out and, you know, but then you take someone like John Denver, who was a, you know, a folk singer and totally didn't appear to represent 
what D Snyder would have represented, but they were exactly in the same boat. They were representing the same thing. Just, just, you know, freedom of speech. And, and it, it did feel like a pretty big deal. So this song kind of, uh, has a lot more meaning in that aspect when I listen to it, you know, because I, you know, because he says that line as long as there's a PMRC, you know, and like he flat out names them in there. And, uh, I think everybody was a big, I think that, that that's, like Kirsty said, a lot of people said this was their favorite. I think if you go back to that time, being in that moment uh, definitely plays a part. It just whatever, not the moment, but you know, just living through it over here because it was just it was stupid, so stupid. But uh, but yeah, um, <clears throat> that whole "I'm not a fish, I'm a man" hook and mouth the way he just screams it, it just feels a little overdone. And it's like I said, it's a little kind of funny. I'm not a fish, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like this song. It's not it's not one of my top favorites on the album, but I do like it. So, uh, what about you, Mark? Yeah, this had something to do with it was Tipper Gore, wasn't it? I think Al Gore's mm-hmm. uh, wife. She was a big part of that um that, yes. that whole movement or that that whole thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I really I really I love the the riff <laughs> in the song, the the off time riff, do 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 the way it comes in mm-hmm, uh, when mm-hmm. it does, and the fact that you've got that playing bass at the start with the singing, so it's quite simple. Uh, and it just comes into it's not, not a complex riff, but it's um, a typical Dave Mustaine sort of heavy heavy riff that's that's still making a statement. Um, I love your solos, like all those sort of descending scales. There's lots of like descending scales mm-hmm. um, um, and, and finger tapping, you know, with his solos and that, which I really really like. It's it's funny because the album's not that long, and this is only like just over four and a half minutes. Yeah. It's it feels like the album needed like you know a, a classic. A finisher, like a, a sort of an epic sort of a yeah a, a song, which I don't think it's quite that. I mean, it comes to such a, a, a you know a, a sudden end, which mm-hmm. is understandable. But um, but yeah, I think the album would have been better around lock with with an absolute epic, which is still a great song, and I, I really like it. Um, and I don't think it's too cheesy as far as like that whole freedom thing, what, what they all stand for. I mean, I don't like the manure reference. I much prefer the, the money one in the in the second part of it. Yeah, but um, but he sort of the way he sings it, he sort of sort of pulls it off. And yeah, it's a good song, but it's not a classic finishing up finisher that the album probably deserved. Sure, sure. Mm. Now, did you guys uh, make a list of uh, one to eight? Rank the songs. Well, I did. Yeah, just in case. Okay, okay, okay. But but I kind of didn't um, <clears throat> sort of seven because I didn't know whether you were going to include the instrumental. Yeah, I, I included it. Um, but where oh, I, that's definitely a song of its own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You I, mind you, I, I would say the Ides of March was its own song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would too, in a way, but, um, but I would say overall, uh, like kind of what I thought about the album was I thought, you know, cause we know now, the drug induced state that the band was kind of in apparently, you know, because we know that, you know, rust in peace was written and then recorded after sobriety happened, you know, at least for that state. And, um, but like when I think about this album, kind of like what I said about the album cover is how I look at it. It's, it's not terrible. And there's obviously a couple of fantastic things on this album. Um, but the drug induced state of the band, uh, it, the album seems way too quick. It, like, like I was listening to it last night in my living room, just kind of writing some notes down. And it was like, 
you know, Mary Jane starts. I'm like, man, this is already halfway through the album. It feels like we should be like two songs in. It's just, it's everything is a couple of the songs are like three minutes long and you know, you got a couple of longer ones to make up for it, but the production's not that great to me. Uh, lyrically, there's some, there's at least two songs that are not that great. Plus then you got anarchy in the UK. Uh, then you got, uh, into the lungs of hell, which doesn't even have lyrics. So you've only got three or four songs that really lyrically even have much to offer. It's, uh, mm, yeah. Like, let me ask you, because Mark, I know you're a bigger fan of Megadeth even than me, uh, because you're I, there's certain albums I haven't even heard by them. Uh, when you get past uh, the the one that I said I saw the tour for, like, I don't remember the one that has the Promise on it, <laughs> whatever that one's called. Um, yeah, the World Needs a Hero. That one. Yeah, like after that, there's a lot of stuff I didn't hear, and I have heard the newest one, uh, not the brand new one that's coming out, but the one uh, Dystopia. I have heard that. I like that one a lot. But yeah. where, where, how would you like? Where would you rank this in Megadeth albums? Um, well, I was working on a top 10, even though I got like 15 or something, but I, I was doing a top 10 because there are a couple I wasn't familiar with. And I think I would have put it possibly, uh, maybe four or something. I was thinking of like rust in peace, obviously then, um, that, you know, can't do do extinctions right up there. Euthanasia is right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the new ones like Endgame and, um, and, um, uh, the system has failed. They're right. They're P cells, obviously. Um, so I, I think it was probably maybe about fifth. Like okay. That. So I feel like that would have something to do with the fact that this is the first album you got by them for that. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I definitely do think that, Uncle Steve. It's it's always going to be a be a be a be a factor for sure because the songs that are good are, are really good. Mm-hmm. And sort of hang hang on those. Yeah. Whereas I might listen to it as much as I might listen to Endgame or something like that or just because the whole album does really well but yeah it's right just right not from that period of my life yeah gotcha gotcha okay um yeah i don't know where i would i would rank it probably i mean if i was doing a top 10 it would be in the top 10 just because it's probably one of the albums that i know better so um, mm. but uh let's go through and let's uh we'll rank them one through eight <clears throat> And we'll start. We Matt's not here to uh, tell us, but we we do council, <laughs> council's order because one time we didn't rank them in the correct order, and we got reprimanded by the counselor. And that's uh, never going to happen again. Yeah, we do not want that to happen again because he te- he was easy on us the first time, you know. And it's we don't we may not get three strikes to be out, so we may get two. So we don't want to get that second strike. So <clears throat> so we'll start. Uh, we'll just go eight to one, and uh, Kirsty, uh, you can go first. What do you have? I, I have a feeling we're going to all agree on our bottom two, but uh, what do you have at number eight, Kirsty? I have five oh two. Okay, Mark. Uh, for me, it's Anarchy in the UK. Wow, I was not expecting that, Kirsty. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have two songs written down at number eight, and two songs written at number seven. It just says this or this. Um, <laughs> after talking through the songs, uh, I realized that <clears throat> what I originally had at number eight is what will be my number eight. And I'm going to agree with Kirsty on five Oh two at number eight. Uh, Kirsty, number seven. Anarchy in the UK. Okay. Anarchy in the UK. Mark. <laughs> five Oh two. Okay. 
And uh, this is where I guess I'll break the mold here because I'm going with uh, Liar at number seven. So to me, well, that's where it's at. So number six, uh, Kirsty. Okay, Matt. Sorry, everyone. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Mark, okay. number six. Uh, for me, number six is Liar. Okay. Song. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm i with you now because my number six is Anarchy in the UK. <clears throat> Kirsty, number five. I think I know what it is. Liar. Okay. Did you get it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it would have been. That's what it would have been. Because you already... You I, already... I wanted to, like, really shock you and put oh, it... Oh, wait a minute. Work. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, yeah, I guess I did expect that. But, okay, okay, there's one you haven't mentioned yet. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, a little surprising. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I forgot. <laughs> uh, that was your number five. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah, that is a little surprising. Um, Mark, what about you for number five? Uh, next one is Hook and Mouth. Now we're talking... Uh, I'm going to agree with you there. I got hook in mouth at number five. I have a feeling that the rest of this. You're not that different. No, we're pretty similar. (laughs) Number four, Kirsty. What do you have at number four? Set the world of fire. Okay. Mark. Uh, I have Mary Jane. Oh, you're there. (laughs) He's not agreeing with you. So he's gone quiet. (laughs) I have a feeling that might be the case. <laughs> Kirsty, did did what did he say? He said Mary Jane at number four. I love that song. Yeah. Ooh, wow, wow. Okay. Well, Kirsty, <clears throat> I am also of sound mind, and I'm going to put number four. Set the world afire, just like you did. Oof. Number three, <laughs> Kirsty. Into the lungs of hell. Hmm. Matt, number two. What did you put at number three? <laughs> um, set the world afire. Set the world afire. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Uh, for me, I also agreed with the historian, and I put into the lungs of hell at number three. Uh, I felt like three and four had to be, or at least I felt like those two had to be in a row, at least. So. Um. Golly, that leads us to threw me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That leads us to number two, Kirsty. Kirsty. Number two, I have Mary Jane. Wow. Mark, what about you? Number two. Into the lungs of Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't want to go in there. They're not very healthy. (laughs) Yeah, right (laughs) right now they're not, so um, (laughs) You know, the, the, I will. I'll give you a little credit for saying uh, that at number two because that is a, that's an incredible song. That's an incredible song. Mm. But I don't think it's better than Mary Jane, which is also mm-hmm. what me and Kirsty had at number two. Now, okay, yeah. b- before I go any further, let's see. I just want to say here, Kirsty, you and I agreed on five hundred two at number eight. Set the World of Fire at four, Into the Lungs of Hell at three, and Mary Jane at number two. And Kirsty, will you please tell us what the best, incredible, awesome, what I call a freaking perfect song 
is everybody's number one. Yes, I will. It is In My Darkest Hour. And there's no question about that. I mean, that to me, that album, that song just outshines everything on this album just by a long, long way. Except Mary Jane. Mary Jane's good, but still, it's, In My Darkest Hour still blows that song away. I mean, it, whenever... I mean, when you thought about doing a top eight, did you even think twice about what would be number one at all? No, that was the first thing I wrote down. Exactly. Yeah. I started with In My Dark, I wrote In My Darkest Hour at one, and then I wrote 502 at eight. And I was like, okay. Actually, I think I wrote Mary Jane at number two immediately as well. Yeah, same. I think I was listening to the album and I started going, okay, I need to do a list. And immediately I was like, okay. I haven't got to in my darkest hour yet, so Mary Jane's number one first. So, uh, and then I started. Then I went into the lungs of hell and set the world afire, and and I knew in my darkest hour was number one. And then <clears throat> at first I had anarchy at number uh, five, but then a hook and mouth played, oh. and I, I was just like, eh. I played hook. I put hook and mouth ahead of it once it played. I just kind of went in order after that, but I just thought I knew, and I knew five hundred two and liar weren't going to be. I think my seven six five have moved around a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of still still prefer to put an original Megadeth song with their riffs over a sort of a cover of a punk band. Um, sort of, yeah. So mm, I, yeah, I get that. Put, put that in the end. Yeah, yeah. I understand, but yeah, I just think it's a Anarchy is a better song. It's, it's better to listen to. I'd, I would rather listen to that than listen to Five O Two. But the good thing about Liar mm. and Five O Two is they're both pretty short. So it's not, you're not having to listen to a six minute or you're not listening to a 13 minute, um, red and the black (laughs) to get to, I mean, I like liar a lot more than you two, but, um, I wouldn't want it to be any longer than it is. Yeah. 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 I definitely don't dislike liar though. Like, like I said, that middle bit, the fast bit, it's, it's, you know, I love that opening riff. And so I don't, I don't dislike it. It's just not up there with the others. Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly some, there's some interesting bits in every song that I like. It, it, it's, it's in a way it's like, mm. it's like a listening to those two songs. I say it's almost like being on fear of the dark. You listen to some of the <laughs> songs and they're bad, but there's still some good, like even like, like, um, um, uh, what is it? Weekend warrior that has that. There's some nice little musical bits in every Iron Maiden song, you know, and just like these songs, they're not the, they're definitely lower level when, especially on the, you know, compared to the album before it, the album after it, and even on this album, but there's still some cool musical bits in there. So. Yeah. And I think what's, um, what's good about all the way this album is it sums up, you know, where they are, where with um, drugs, with band problems, with, uh, with everything that was going on. If you think starting with, you know, in the lungs of hell, set the world of fire, and it's like right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it sort of goes down a bit. Then Mary Jane, so it goes up, and then five hundred two down. Then my dark is out, up, liar down, hook your mouth up. It's sort of it's a roller coaster ride, which it is, is. That's what they were going through in their lives at the time. And it is really, yeah. You think about where they were at. It's just, I mean, this was their probably. I mean, to say in my darkest hour is probably where the band. That's probably the darkest hour of the band. You know, mm. just they were because the first album, the second album, then, you know, was a huge. They were on a big uphill. You know, they were going up 
And then this album came mm. out. I mean, and this album sold really well. I mean, I think I read that yeah. what the first month it sold like four hundred thousand. I mean, so it was. Yeah, you know, that's nothing to to you know. Say. No, because you'd know the album before it, and you'd know that there's. The single was good, so of True. course you'd go and buy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. We got to eighteen, eighteen in the UK, and I think twenty-eight in the in the US or something like that, which is you know, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and they, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. like I said, all but, but all of it said, they came through it all and put out just a masterpiece. So I mean, it just shows, in a way, it shows you. I think that's part of the reason that it's that the album is a big letdown in a way is just because the one before it and after it show you, like you said earlier, what they're capable of, you know what these guys are capable of. And you got a couple, you know, maybe half the album worth of good stuff. But like I said, into the lugs of hell, there's not even, you know, vocals and not that it needed it. It's great, but I wonder if they didn't put anything to it just because they just didn't have it. He didn't have it in him to do it. You know and what I mean? It couldn't be right because it's just so good. It just suits it so beautifully. It's just well, sure. I mean, after the yeah. fact that you, we know we don't we don't know it any other way, but mm. it's, it's like 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 with Ides of March that could have been a really, you know, even though it's an intro to Wrathchild, it could have been a fantastic <laughs> song by itself without Wrathchild. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's I don't know, but yeah, I I like this album. I mean, it's not one that I go back to as often, but. Um, but yeah, in my dark, just just for in my darkest hour, it's worth the other 30, 29 minutes of music that you have to listen to, you know, Mary Jane yeah. and in my darkest hour. So you get what that's about 10 minutes of music right there. So a third of the <laughs> album is really good. <laughs> but so, uh, coming back to playlists, you, you could have you could listen to them with some other songs that you like. Mm. <laughs> but then, but then that just doesn't fit. It doesn't. That doesn't give you the full state of the band that you get by listening mm. to the whole album. And and uh, so I don't know. It is yeah. what it is. But yeah, depends how long you've got. <laughs> uh, it depends. Yeah, depending on how long you got, I'll I'll fast forward past five oh two to get to uh, yeah, you know where you got to get. So, <clears throat> but I guess um, I think we've said it all more than once. And oh, I wanted to read something real quick. Um. Last night I was in the car with my daughter. I told y'all guys I was going to read this. And um, she was kind of waffling about some stuff. And I just went, because she wouldn't make it up her mind. And I just said, well, you're just waffling. And she's like, what does that mean? And I said, uh, I, I wouldn't even respond. Because, you know, she's got, the inter- she's got the internet in her hand and a little phone. So I'm like, she's got it. And so she's like, what is waffling? What do, what do you mean I'm waffling? I said, you're waffling. She goes, are you going to make me look that up? And I just sat there. I just wouldn't say a word. So then she goes and looks it up. And this is what she reads to me. <clears throat> and see if this reminds you of anything when you hear it. It says, to speak or write, especially at great length, without saying anything important or useful. <laughs> and as soon as she said it, I went, that's my whole podcast in a nutshell right there. <laughs> I made her reread it. I was like, "Waffle Zone." Yeah, I was like, "You got to send that to me," because I said that is that is my podcast in a nutshell, right there. We've been waffling for two hours here. <laughs> oh, so great! That was just like whoever that guy that said he was trying to listen to one of my podcasts and all we did was waffle on for thirty minutes about something. Yeah, he he <laughs> he nailed it, man. He nailed it. Whoever he was, so 
He never responded back when I when I hit him up about it. So, but uh, with all that said, uh, Kirsty, uh, on behalf of myself, on behalf of um, the guy from the outback in the middle of nowhere, Australia, Mark, on behalf of the um, official historian and. Um, uh, other thing of the uh, Uncle Steve's translator. translator. I was going to say bookkeeper. <laughs> There's no bookkeeping to be no, done. No, I'm not good at that. Yeah. Um, Kirsty in Perth. From Megadeth. And from Iron Maiden, Eddie and the Boys. And Rick and Vic Rattlehead. Hip <laughs> 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 There we go. Mark, would you rather be referred to as Mark and Alice Springs or the Outback guy? <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, probably the Outback guy. <laughs> <laughs> I said that last week and I just thought, that just sounds very clueless. Like, uh, I got the Outback guy from Australia here. <laughs> so, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Ozmark, the guys overseas used to call me uh, the Ozman, but that's sort of a bit too close to you know, yeah, Aussie. So don't do that. Don't do that. It's a good one though. It's a good one. That's all, folks.